What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Whiskey Web and Whatnot, your favorite podcast about whiskey, web, and whatnot, with your hosts, Robert William Wagner and Charles William Carpenter III. Today, we are going to be talking about, I'm not sure what. (laughs) Some things. Yeah. We have some notes, but it's just us. Sorry if you were looking for a guest. It's just going to be us this time. Yeah, and we're a little bit weird on the the publishing here, so I guess there's two more coming out before this, but like so far as of today when we're recording, nothing but Advent of Whiskey has been out. So mm. there will be a couple more guests, then you'll hear this. So hopefully you get a little bit of uh, stuff that's more interesting than just us. Mm. Although if you listen to the Advent of Whiskey, I hope you learned that those things aren't a good idea, at least if you're trying to cram them into like five days or so yes it's a lot of whiskeys to try in a short period of time and i don't know if that influenced our opinions on what was good or not or i know at the end of it i was i needed a little bit of a break believe it or not as often as i drink i still needed a little break yeah it's one of those things where it's like it sounds really fun but it's everything in moderation because being forced to drink 24 whiskeys is not as fun as choosing to drink 24 whiskeys Mm. so (laughs) there you go all righty so speaking of whiskey today we are going to try the yellowstone select kentucky straight bourbon whiskey so this is distilled and bottled by the limestone branch distillery which is the parent distillery for the yellowstone brand now it was an old brand actually that used to it was big at the turn of the century up until I want to say maybe the 50s or 60s. I'm not sure. Like when whiskey started to kind of go downhill, I know it's one that went away. This one is 93 proof. It is a blend of four and seven year old bourbons. Their mash bill is 75% corn. So pretty high corn, but then 13% rye and 12% malted barley. All right. Booyah. I got to go through my... Oh, there we go. That's why we got nice mics. Yeah. Alrighty. All right. What do we got? Alrighty. So on the nose, it smells appley to me. Yeah, like a sour apple though. Hmm. Yeah, I get a little of that. It's like a Granny's uncooked Granny Smith apple pie. Ooh. Damn, I'm gonna taste. I'm getting in. Definitely a little, little sweet initially, but with a little spice along the way. Yeah. It's almost like okay, I'm gonna go back down. The apple pie thing, because you're getting a little bit of cinnamon mm-hmm. along with the sweetness. Not bad. What else going on there? A little leathery on the finish. I feel like something, not just tart, but something kind of sweet. Yeah. I won't say maple. I think I get like the teeny tiniest amount of like tobacco or something. Like it kind of tastes like a, mm. like a manly candle. <laughs> like smells like grandpa's cigar like bergamot or oh yeah <laughs> yeah grandpa's cigar during christmas yeah <laughs> caramel apple caramel apple little cinnamon yeah that's what i'm getting a lot in the flavors not bad not bad yeah okay well how do you feel about it on the complex scientific ship shape rating system I don't know maybe it's just because we had so many shitty ones when we were <laughs> doing the 24 but like this is really good to me, especially for the price point. Like it's a, I want to say it was like 30 or something, like pretty cheap. Mm. And for that, I would give it a seven, I think. Like, yeah, for that price point, I think this is about the best you could get. Wow. There you go. So you take this over a Buffalo Trace. I'm actually not sure that I've had the plain Buffalo Trace. We'll have to do that one. Yeah, we should do it. That said, that's like kind of a regular, I think this is more complex than that. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it's the mix of the fours and the sevens where they're able to like make it less expensive, but get enough like because seven to nine year is usually like my jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree. It's a seven. I was kind of thinking six right at first because I was like definitely better than average. Pretty good. You brought about one of my criteria, the price point. So that brings it down or brings it up actually to a seven. Darn good. Yeah. So our tech topic for today which I don't know how much detail you know about these. I haven't done a lot with data mm. myself or recently. I did like, I guess I should say what it is before I just ramble on. Yes. It is SQL versus no SQL. But I had a SQL class in college. 
it was very, very hard. I remember we spent 24 hours awake in one room, like trying to do our final project where we had, I don't even know how many tables, maybe like 20 tables with like trying to join everything and do complex queries and like mm. do a ton of stuff. And it's hard, man. Like, especially I think the things we were doing, it got so complex because we were students who had no idea what we were doing that the queries would take like, I don't know, 10 minutes or more. So it's like you get to the end and you're like, mm, that's wrong. And then you like have to rewrite it. And like, so it was a very, very tedious process. Right. And uh, first of all, do you know what SQL stands for? I think it is structured query language. Bing, bing, bing. Yeah. At least that's how I know it too. So I didn't look it up to actually test you on this, but. Yeah, I've never looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know where I learned that, but yeah, it's pretty straightforward anyway. Yeah. Like the reasons for one versus another. And I think it just tends to be, I don't, it's not often I've been in a circumstance where I would make an architectural decision on which to use for the database. Right. It's just been more of, well, these are the databases we have. And so here are your you know options for accessing that right. and figure that, that part out. So, yeah. To me, it's always been more related to the stack itself oftentimes or like the tech underlying technologies around it, like MySQL. Oh, OK. Are we in a dot net? <laughs> are we using dot net? And so you're using a lot of Microsoft centered yeah. products. And so that kind of comes along for the ride there. Oh, we're doing a lot of open source that tends to be, you know, like Postgres or some flavor yeah. similar to I opted to hate myself once uh, when I made the Swatch API because I was utilizing serverless things and serverless and DynamoDB are uh, like, it's an easy kind of choice to go together. But then like learning that they suggest that you don't separate tables for relations, you in fact, instead just build single table databases and just kind of continue to expand on those with the keys in terms of access. Right. So the document database versus the other more traditional structures. Yeah. Accessibility within a cloud environment was like one of the reasons there too, because it kind of can infinitely scale. And as long as your access patterns are planned out, then it kind of doesn't matter, right? You're not going to show me, go through a million records and then filter. Yeah. I think a way I'd never really thought about it is uh, my brother-in-law is doing like a SQL course right now. And he was talking about it and asking about, you know, what stuff I had used and whatnot. And uh, he was kind of like, well, he prefers no SQL because it's like, he would rather have his data be unstructured and then like do the programming bit in like something that you really program in like Python or a scripting language versus yeah. if you're using SQL, you're kind of doing the coding in your queries because it's very structured and very like, oh, I've got these 20 tables. I want to grab these fields from these. I want to rename them. I want to like only do where this criteria is this or whatever as all part of your query versus you could say in if you had no SQL, you could be like, give me, you know, all this data and then I'm going to start filtering through and manipulating it with like Python or whatever. So it's kind of where do you want to do the work, I think, is a big differentiating factor that I had never really considered when I was thinking about them. Right. But then, you know, from a performance perspective, like what's the better choice, I guess. As with everything, it depends, right? Always. Yeah. It depends. Yeah. So I looked it up because they'd actually differed a little bit from what I was thinking. And it always kind of been traditionally taught that basically if you got all of your SQL schema really nice and tight and like you didn't mess up that and make it messy, that was going to be more performant in most cases because like, you know, it's more like a, a hash map almost. You're like, give me these things. And it's like, here you go. Sure. Sure. And I think that that probably amounts to kind of like I was mentioning with a document database where like there's a lot more planning in terms of data access and the kinds of data responses you need. And then you can have the right schema to support that and come up with the queries that provide the data, the applications need and all that kind of stuff. But like, it doesn't feel very flexible in the long term, right? Like, right. Yeah. And that's basically the same thing I had in DynamoDB is if you 
find a use case you hadn't planned for, or you're adding new features that require different access patterns or different data sets, then what, right? Yeah, that is definitely one of the big benefits to NoSQL is that it's very easy to add fields because I know I would hit that using traditional SQL of like, oh, you know, I defined my schema. It's these 15 things, whatever. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm like, "Mm, but there's a 16th thing. And then you add it. And then like everything you had put in for those two weeks isn't going to have data for that because that field didn't exist before unless you go through and manually add them all in, which you could do. But I remember ending up with lots of empty data because I didn't do that step. So it would be like, oh, I added this new field and everything that existed before just won't have it. Right. Yeah. You need to provide a default value in your migration or whatever. Yeah. Right. But like then you, depending on that happens for years and years and you end up with like 200 fields in this table and then you do a query for a thing and then like you get some weird data because half of them weren't defined when you started or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely, I think that is one of the biggest selling points of NoSQL. But I also found out that it's actually gives you easier scaling than SQL does, which I thought was wrong. But um, it's like, oh, it's like having no structure makes it harder to scale, which I guess is maybe a different problem than exactly what I'm saying here. But let me just read what it said. It's like NoSQL is horizontally scalable. So that means you add more servers to be able to do things quicker and handle more people on your site or whatever. Whereas SQL, you have just like the one server and it's vertically scalable. So you add CPU or like more RAM or like things to make that server more performant, but you, that gets harder and harder to scale because there's only so much CPU and RAM you can add, but there's like, you can do infinite servers with no SQL. So that probably ties back to the serverless stuff you were saying where that makes it, better with well not better but like you're more likely to use it with serverless stuff because it's all in that same sort of thing where it's like oh you just spin up as many servers as you need you run the thing and you spin them all down so like that fits that paradigm better i think what do you mean by better for multi-row transactions for sql i don't know that is what it said online but my guess is what that means is like you want to change 500 rows and like you want to add an A to their ID field or something. Maybe that, like doing things like that is better. I'm not sure why. I don't have the why for you. We can theorize as to why. Like I would think perhaps once you have all the references to those rows, it's easier to change the thing or something than it, and like maybe you have to iterate through them in NoSQL or something like that. I'm really not sure. Mm, I'm underwhelmed with that response. Yeah. I was hoping that writing some of these things down, you would just kind of know some of it too, because you've done more with this stuff than I have. But Right. I mean, so today started working on a project, working with a, an existing project that uses Prisma, but with MySQL versus Postgres. And so Prisma enforces a schema kind of regardless, but obviously of tools along the way with which you can add and change and migrate and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's um, the way that and if you have multiple tables, though, and then like your references with multiple tables isn't just so clear as it is with like Postgres, right? You know, like I have a user and they have reservations you just essentially are, you go to your reservations table and you look for the user ID mm-hmm. relation, right? That's like kind of easy. And it's not really straightforward like that. Like you can fudge that stuff, but it's not essentially how they want you to deal with relations as much. And In NoSQL, you mean? Or in MySQL? MySQL. So MySQL doesn't have like a foreign key on, like your reservation has a foreign key to the user ID or whatever? So it has foreign keys and primary keys and some of that stuff, but like there's, you can only have single ones is the difference that I can think of. So you, you essentially, you can define your foreign keys and primary keys, but you can't like when you say you have a user that has reservations and has preferences and has, it gets weird when you have multiple relations. Right. So you would have to make, separate tables that kind of join the tables in MySQL. Whereas yeah, exactly. in Postgres, you can just say like, 
oh, it just is related to these 10 things and here's their IDs or whatever. Right. Like you can have a reservation that has your relation to a user and your relation to maybe a location Mm -hmm. and your relation to, you know, that kind of stuff. So you can, it's easier to have multiple relations. And then in like MySQL or, you know, Dynamo was like that a lot too, where you didn't have like these access patterns across entities in the same way if they had multiple relations really. Yeah, and uh, Postgres, I think a few projects that I've been on, the reason we used it was because of like PostGIS or whatever. Like if you want um, location data, Hmm. it's kind of the default because it has the best like GIS support, I guess, Hmm. of like any SQL solution. So that's a couple wins for Postgres over MySQL. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it just seems like most of the time you can... Just throw everything at Postgres and it's fine. You can sort it out. You've got a lot of options. So, you know, unless there's some scalable argument or, or performance argument that I am unaware of, which is highly possible, then just in general as a user for the DX, it seems pretty easy just to go with Postgres and go down that path. Yeah. I mean, Superbase uses it, so it's got to be good, right? Yeah, it's got to be great. <laughs> yeah, someone else too recently, but anyway... I don't know. Postico is a cool GUI for messing with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't have to touch databases much, but when I do, I like that they are Postgres usually. Yeah, and so maybe that's just a side effect of our experiences. And there's other areas and communities where they're like, no, I know how to get things done and be productive and powerful with with other things. So yeah, certainly anyone can hit us up on Twitter and straighten out our assumptions totally yeah at whiskey web fm fm not on your am dial (laughs) yeah yeah i think i never really remember having fun with a project that was in like sql server or mysql like postgres it was fun sometimes not always but i never remember having fun with with mysql so and maybe in the end, it'll work out all just fine. Like I said, this project is using Prisma and Prisma has nice sugar around accessing entities. And it, you know, it just lets you, as you would expect in a relational database, like say reservations, find all, pass it a parameter where user dot user ID equals this or whatever, something like that. Like you can pass it in pretty nicely in JavaScript and Prisma is cool like that, where you say, is this Postgres, is this MySQL, is it whatever else? It's still the same syntax from your access perspective there. Mm. And then they just make it work. Gotcha. So, so far, not not crazy. Yeah, I haven't used that. I just had to like use tools to manually insert new users and make some adjustments there. And I was like, eh, I guess this is a little like Postico, but like not exactly. And some of the... The columns, like I said, with the foreign and primary keys, a little different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like that it gives you a default's not the right word, but like a a syntax that works across an agnostic syntax, I guess. It works across um, different layers is nice. And you just have to learn Prisma and it's like, oh, what am I using? And here you go. Oh, yeah. So you've not used Prisma before. No, they haven't sponsored the podcast yet. So, <laughs> are they into whiskey? Maybe we should invite them on. I don't know. I've been, I've used it uh, we should. across a few projects, actually. I guess this will be the fourth one, maybe, or something that's used it. Yeah. And it's just an ORM and it just gives you nice sugar for like saying, hey, Prisma, what are your entities, right? What are your models or entities? And, you know, users dot find one or find specifically, and it'll give you the first one. And, Passing some stuff, magic happens. So it's um, like a more verbose Ember data. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's more verbose because Ember data, and I know Runspired is probably going to be annoyed that I say this offhand. <laughs> but like, so Ember data has a lot more going on. But I know what he will say, or I assume what he will say, is a, a like, well, that's your choice, right? You don't have to take it all. And it's a separate bit of packages. So offers some similar things. And so for you, I think like that syntax would be appealing. It doesn't serialize and deserialize and all that kind of like fun stuff like that. Okay. Right. So it's, it just gives you exactly what the data is. It's not like, 
it's a pass through of whatever your response is and it's not gonna like yeah it does do though like a schema check in the sense of like if you get an integer and it was supposed to be a string it'll throw up you know things like that okay so if you get like wrong data types it does do a check on that so that's cool but in general it's just like access patterns that are same yeah across all these databases and ember data though does is can you use ember data directly on a database connection or do you it's always like no. a fetch right yeah so that's the other difference i guess but like syntactically i think you would find some things familiar right so that's one of the things i liked about it is like oh i've kind of done these before so this isn't hard yeah i mean it sounds cool to me I don't know if I'll have a project that's not an Ember that I can try it on anytime soon, but Astro and Solid using Prisma. That would be an interesting stack. Yeah. Because I've only used it in Next.js in their API routes. And it's kind of real straightforward in that because API routes essentially end up being like serverless mini APIs. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would love to do a lot more Astro and Solid, but I don't know. I, I don't know the world is 100% ready for it yet. Mm. They don't know they're ready for it. There's a lot of people doing cool stuff in them, but it's like the major players in the technology space are not like, oh yeah, let me uh, rewrite my app in this real quick. Right. So um, I think it'll get there. It'd be cool to have a Greenfield project with, you know, carte blanche and uh, say, we think this is the best option moving forward. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind doing like doing an Astro solid test and then doing just a straight solid start test. And also looking at the pros and cons of those two. Because I'm certain there are. Like, there's times where one versus the other. And Well, solid start is more yeah, like a Next.js type of thing, right? So it's like it'll do more like server side or client side or static or like whatever you need. And then like can lend itself to more interactivity than Astro would. Astro is really for mostly static things within like you can escape hatch that if you need some interactivity which is in my opinion what 90 percent of the web is it's like here's this information and then maybe after you've read the information you want to hit buy now or something yeah there's a small portion to that yeah because you kind of wonder in the sense of like um you know if you were thinking about like an admin portal i mean could you pull that off in astro should you maybe I mean, do you want like your forms, your forms, forms are forms, right? But when you're looking at tabular data, things like that. So CRUD operations in an admin panel. I mean, I, I think you could do it. Yeah. I'd love to talk to Fred about this. We're going to have him on in a couple of weeks. And that's kind of my main thing I want to talk to him about is like the use cases for and against Astro and mainly what do you do in complex apps with a lot of interactivity and doing lots of data fetching and manipulation and stuff because... They don't really have great docs on that until we write them. Well, there you go. That's the challenge. <laughs> yeah. Contribute, contribute, contribute. So we'll find out. Maybe if I get a NASA jacket, Nate. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I forget what I was saying before that, but is it time to move to whatnot yet? What time are we at? <laughs> well, we can bounce back and forth, you know. <laughs> oh, no, we're not that far in. We should probably... Do some more. No, data. we made some assumptions around use case, and because I'm not really clear, I know Solid Start was released. I know its intention ah, yes. is for it to be sort of like your next JS or you know whatever of to get started on scaffolding out an app and patterns and and I guess a CLI along with it, you know that kind of stuff. But I just haven't I haven't looked at it. We used Solid obviously in some parts of our site, but. Outside of that, like dabble, no. I don't know for sure. So that's kind of like why it would just give me an excuse to like dig into it and like say, oh, okay, I can do it this way or I can do it this way. Right. What are the pros and cons of each? Well, have you read the remix docs? Because <laughs> uh, n- the docs are the same. <laughs> oh, right. Ooh, ooh. That was, that was <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. So you just basically everything's the same and it's fine. It's just really about branding. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I haven't. I mean, I've dug through the remix docs a little bit. I forget what I was looking up and something that Kent was talking about. And uh, Mm. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. It was probably like an intro. Like he talked about like the intro docs or something and just kind of pulls you through how things work. Yeah. But not since then. No. 
Yeah, I never got a chance to try it for anything before they were acquired. And now, like, I don't know. It's just not as hip and cool once you're acquired, I feel like. Mm. Like, some people probably think the opposite way, right? If, like, oh, you've been acquired, that means you're validated. I should try it or whatever. Right. But um, I don't know. I like the Astro community feel and, like, yeah. just open source and no one owns it. And I don't love when places own a thing and then take it a different direction or whatever probably depends on whether you agree with said direction or something i mean because i mean nobody owns ember but there's been a lot of monetary contribution from some large corporations which inevitably affects things right so there's that yeah so i mean you can't be a cool hip independent band forever sometimes you get signed to a major label and the music's still fine you know yeah you're not wrong yeah, I mean, maybe we should try it out. I did enjoy that, like, no one understood what any of that stuff was because it was, like, just a generic word remix, right? And, like, Shopify buys them and someone sees, like, a quick headline about it. And they're like, oh, like, Spotify bought Michael Jackson's remix to something? Like, they bought a song or something? <laughs> it's like, mm, no. Yeah. Shopify, though. Shopify, yeah. we should clarify. Yeah. Because it would have been a lot cooler if it was Spotify, just in the sense of, like, oh, the remix of all yeah. Taylor Hits, greatest hits. I mean. And Michael Jackson? Come on. Yeah, and Michael Jackson. MJ. Yep. It's controversial still, though, isn't it? Michael Jackson? I mean, I don't know. I grew up in the 80s, and so, you know, I had, like, you could, at the toy store, get the glove. And then you could be like, I have the glove. Michael has a glove. It's cool. And mm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we can endorse Michael Jackson, the singer, but we can. The person, right. Endorse Michael Jackson, the person who worked on Remix. <laughs> like, yeah, I think having the same name is like of no consequence. Right. Of course. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying I endorse Michael Jackson, the singer. I'm just going down maybe a, a rabbit hole of whatnot around What's the line wherein you're not allowed to play Billie Jean anymore? So my stance on all of this is separating the artist from the art. And I know a lot of people disagree with that, but right. within reason, and I, I don't have a, you know, a firm line for you. Like, no. oh, maybe if he blew up an entire country or something, there's a line that he's crossed. <laughs> like, right. you can't come back from, but like, when it's gray area and some of the things can't even be proven or whatever. Yeah. Prosecution is definitely probably a, a line too far, right? Like actually. Yeah. Being, yeah. Yeah. But it's like clearly with all the rumors and the things that like some things happened at some point, mm. maybe not the best dude in his like right. personal life, but maybe he's not R Kelly, you know? Yeah. 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 R Kelly was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's the, oh. It wasn't hard to let go of that music, too, though. So I guess there's that, too. I have a lot more attachment to Michael Jackson songs in the 80s than I would to, like, R. Kelly. Yeah. So. R. Kelly is, like, similar to today's Chris Brown. Oh, right. Where, like, he's got some hits. It's kind of cool to listen to sometimes, but it's not like, oh, this is, like, I, I'm reaching for this song or anything. Yeah. So when Chris Brown also inevitably goes to prison for life, mm. <laughs> that'll be okay. <laughs> He'll beat one too many women and finally get his just due. Yeah. We'll see. Hmm. Interesting. Well, anyway, there you go. You didn't have that on the list of things to talk about. That's weird. No. It goes where it goes. So uh, how was your holiday? It was fine for the most part. Um, we host Christmas, and so that tends to be a bit hectic. I'm of the opinion possibly next year... We forego hosting and get on a plane somewhere cool like Hawaii. We'll see. You know, it's a balance between like being around family and saying, let's actually relax over this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Decent New Year's too. Uh, went to uh, went back to Roka Accor, which. Oh, yes. Went back to Roka Accor, which is a Japanese steakhouse slash sushi place here in Scottsdale. Just one of our favorite restaurants it's just a lot of like small plates for sharing and that kind of stuff and oh it was so good yeah i did that and then went to a friend's uh, a friend of my wife is turning 40 what did turn 40 and so they did a big new year's thing for that so we went there a little bit was home by 10 30 though nice and did not make it to the ball drop we were like and we're tired it's 11 15 so i don't care yeah so i'm gonna 
flip my uh, thing, my topics around here because you had mentioned steakhouse. Okay. So the, I believe it was a type of Wagyu that we had had at Roca Accor that was amazing. I loved it there. Recently, like, I forget when now, maybe like a week ago, we went to a restaurant, like really fancy restaurant, and I got some Wagyu, but I think it was like a fancier one to where it's like not steak-like at all anymore. It's more like a pork belly or like something like totally different. Yeah. So there's different grades and stuff too. So there's like, if the kind that you got sounds like the very expensive A5 grade Japanese Wagyu. Yeah. And I have had that too. It is kind of like putting a piece of butter in your mouth and then it kind of just melts away. And it's interesting, but it's, I don't think it's bad per se, but I do think it's like very rich. I think like you end up getting just like a few ounces of it and that's more than enough. Yeah, so I didn't know what I was doing, and just mm-hmm. it was really expensive, and I was like, okay, I have to buy this in two-ounce increments. I'll just get six. That's a normal steak size, but it's more of a, like, two ounces almost would even be enough. It's more of a, like, I want to taste it for, like, the experience. It's not to eat a steak. Yes. And, like, yeah, so it was way, way different than I was expecting, and, like, I didn't feel sick per se but it was like so much like greasiness basically that i was just like i don't love that i had this much of this it's a lot of like congealed fat yeah i mean let's be honest like japanese wagyu a5 is like super marbled it's incredibly marbled there's as much fat as there is meat in there Mm -hmm. and so it's just a ton and then when they do when they cook it and it ends up like breaking down and everything you do you're just like having slices of butter kind of yeah yeah, like the first time I had that, I did it like some of that and uh, it was basically like a Pepsi challenge thing. So it was like that and then normal American Wagyu. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, very different experiences. I thought both were tasty, but I could eat a steak of one and then the other. You're like, yeah, this is plenty. Yeah. So I've learned now, but it's it was disappointing because I was like looking forward to a normal steak. And then I was like, oh, this is not that now I'm hungry. <laughs> Turns out my body doesn't run on pure fat. Yeah. In spite of popular opinion. Yeah. And you put it on here as just Wagyu is not great, but you should <laughs> yeah. be specific. Yeah. A5 grade Japanese Wagyu because you had Japanese Wagyu, but it wasn't like a five grade at, at Roka core. Right. I think they offer it, but you know. Yeah. I knew that you would correct me on the details. I didn't need to mm. be descriptive in the, the bullet point. It's weird. I think Wagyu in general is supposed to be about process or something like, I don't know, being mm-hmm. super tender and a particular kind of diet and like whatever else. Cause like there's American and there's Australian too. I don't think I've had the Australian, but hmm. yeah, I don't know. But reverting back to holiday stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, Went to, uh, well, first we went to Roanoke and to my parents and uh, were there for like a week. Uh, did my parents' Christmas party. It was pretty fun. Then went down to Florida Christmas Eve. So like we were like, oh, cool. It's going to be nice and warm down here. It wasn't. It was like 42 degrees or something, mm. which was like, to be fair, about 40 degrees warmer than it was at home. So it was still a lot warmer, but... But those storms that came through, oh, we didn't have those during Christmas. We had our cold, our cold rush cold. You know, it's 59 degrees today, so it's like pretty cold for us. Mm-hmm. High, But uh, Christmas Day was 72. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. No sweaters needed. Yeah, but I think it was a good mix because I could wear some sweaters for a few days and then like it got to be like 80s towards the end and I could Mm. wear shorts for a couple of days. So it was good. Definitely lived up to like normal Florida type of uh, experience, I would say. Not that it's bad. I think a good way to describe it, I was talking to some people about it was like, you know, if you're in kind of the Key West vibe all the time, like I'm going to wear shorts everywhere. Right. So like that kind of vibe, which, you know, I used to subscribe to always wearing basketball shorts everywhere. So I get it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, like we were looking for a fancy restaurant to go to for like a date night. And it's just like not a thing. Cause like everything needs to be shorts accessible, I guess. Hawaiian shirts or whatever. Yeah. So what part of Florida were you in? 
kind of matters, kind of doesn't, but it's uh Punta Gorda or Punta Gorda. Uh, so the people there said Punta, but I think that sounds really harsh. We were saying Punta. Punta, Punta Gorda. Mm. I don't know where that is. It's 30 minutes from Fort Myers. It's like on the golf side, southwest golf side. Okay. Uh, so pretty far down. Okay, there we go. Yeah, my brother lives in St. Pete, like Tampa area. So yeah, that's closer up to the getting into the, the peninsula of the Gulf or whatever. Right. So this would be like closer down, like going towards Miami. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's like a couple hours from Miami. Oh, okay. Could have gone down to see Will Smith, get a slap. <laughs> well, they did recommend, they're like, oh, go down to South Beach for the night and like get a hotel or whatever. And we were like... Do you know how old we are? Like, I recognize that yeah. we're not that old, but like mm-hmm. inside, that sounds inside. like a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then you get there and it's like, I'm not going to go to a club or if I do, it's going to be like, yeah, more of a low key. Like, I don't know. I don't want like a dance club anymore. That's just not my scene. No. I would say, did you have your son with you? Yeah. But the uh, grandparents had offered to just keep him and we go down and I was like, oh, you know, I, I like that part, yeah. but maybe we just get a hotel right down the street and like, don't even go. There. You just tell them you did. And, and yeah, that would have been amazing. Yeah. And, you, and yeah. And just book like nice reservations and good to go. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously Miami's a, a decent sized city with dining options and stuff that. Right. But uh, yeah, South Beach, that's kind of the vibe. I don't know. People watching would be funny. I wouldn't go to a club, but if I went down there and if it wasn't with children, because you know, it's going to be so loud. That's the other side of things. Yeah. I'm just also at the point in my life where like if I have a night free, what I don't want to do is drive two or more hours and then the next day drive two or more hours. Yeah. Because then I've just wasted all that time, which is like the equivalent of the amount of free time I might have in a day. So (laughs) it's like, it's just not worth it anymore. Yeah. I get that. Especially at this age for your son, it's sort of like a crapshoot. So if I'm going to, I want to maximize that downtime, that quiet time, the self time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was always someone who needed some recharge time alone. And then you have kids and then that stops ever being an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Your spouse and yourself are kind of back and forth. What do you mean you had 30 minutes to yourself? <laughs> I'll be taking 30 minutes now to myself. Enjoy your time with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It is very much like that. And it's a hard balance because it's like, I'm, working all day and I'm like I would love to have like 30 minutes free when I get home or when I'm done working and just Mm. it's like no because Caitlin's been watching him all day so she wants 30 minutes free so it's like yeah yeah but we have a good schedule yeah it sounds like you don't ever make the mistake around like but I've been working all day and she's like oh I said that like maybe one time and uh (laughs) yeah you don't you don't do that (laughs) nope nope guess what they're both jobs okay yeah and, yeah, and you come back and, and you're you're with the children and and then you're like, well, now they've gone to bed. Maybe I can have like a little time to myself. And then your spouse is like, well, you don't want to spend time with me now? <laughs> no, of course I do. Let's put on 90 day fiance. So you'll be excited. Yeah. I mean, luckily, like we're good about that balance. We have a few shows we watch together and then Caitlin has stuff she wants to watch and I have stuff I want to watch. So sometimes we'll just watch different stuff and yeah, it doesn't have to always be the same, like watching something together. I have started Andor three times and for whatever reason, every time I like started on my own, I just, it's the night that I'm going to fall asleep in the middle of a show. I hear it's great, but I just can't get it started. Yeah. So I'm having a real challenge there. I still haven't watched past the first episode. Because it's just like, there are other shows I'd rather watch. It hasn't like drawn mm. me in yet. Yeah. I think it will, but it, it just hasn't gotten there yet. I still need to watch season six of Peaky Blinders too. Like, Oh, yeah. I've got a number of them. That's so good. That one, like watch one of those and you'll remember how good it is and you'll want to watch the rest. Yeah. And then you get into the vibe too. Because like you need to pay attention a little bit to their accents to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then once you do, you just want to keep watching because you're like, okay, I got it now. Let's just keep this going. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it doesn't disappoint. There's lots of killing and lots of twists and turns <laughs> and, you know. Right. Yeah. I was worried because he was kind of like losing his edge a little bit in some of the previous seasons and stuff that it was going to be 
not boring, but just like, you know, meh. But it, no, it's good. Is there going to be another main character who comes up and like takes over or something? Yeah, that was kind of making you wonder like, oh, this is kind of the fall, right? Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's very good. Highly recommend. Huh. Fair enough. Fair enough. Did you ever watch Spirited as I recommended? So <laughs> we started it and we could not finish it. Oh, wow. we were like, do you not like musicals? Not really. Mm. But I like, you know, satire and that kind of stuff. But it was a little too much singing for both of us. And we were like, I don't know. I, I get the vibe they're trying to do, but it's just not working for me. I don't know. So, yeah, I loved it. I mean, I think it was a little more singing than I would have liked, if I'm being honest about it. But I think I like that they poked fun at that, where like the guy's like, no, no, we don't need a song here. There's no song. Like, no, no uh, oh, there's a song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. That's what it was. Just a lot of that. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, this is a running joke. And we got like, I don't know, halfway through. Hmm. And we both were like, we can't right now. We can't do any more of this. So, okay. I don't know. Are there other musicals you have liked? Like, did you like, uh, what's it called? The one with uh, Hugh Jackman? Greatest Showman? Mm, yeah, but mostly just because of like, I watched it with my kids and they were just, they loved it. So it was kind of like fun through them. I'm not sure I would have been into it on my own. Gotcha. I remember there was a Woody Allen like satire musical called like Everyone Says I Love You or something. I had like Edward Norton and I want to say like maybe Drew Barrymore or something. And But there wasn't a ton of singing in that. There was like singing because it was a musical, but it wasn't like crazy. Right. I don't know. I remember liking that. I'm not sure if that would be the case 20 years later still. I mean, it's been a while since that was out. Yeah. I guess similar, like, did you see Hamilton when they put it on Disney? Or did yeah. you go see the play ever? Or, I don't no, know. didn't go see it, but did watch it on Disney and found it interesting, but I wasn't like, like people were. Did go and see the Book of Mormon, and that was funny. Yes. So that was great. I like the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like... Hamilton, for me, it was like, it's not singing per se, because a lot of it is like rapping or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing. But it's, I didn't love that it was like, literally like they say maybe three to five words before the next song hits. Yeah. My type of, if it's going to be a musical, give me like a couple of scenes of normal dialogue and then have a song to reinforce the dialogue or something. Yeah. I don't like when they're singing back and forth to each other the entire time. Yeah. And well, I was getting that vibe out of spirited. I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. I liked it. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is in it and he can do new, do no wrong. So, <laughs> you know, right. You can't wait for Deadpool four. Oh yeah. Isn't three the, yeah, three is the next one. Oh, okay. I don't know. And four though, as many as he wants to make. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it helps fuel his, um, football team. So mm-hmm. did you watch welcome to Wrexham then? No, I need to watch it. There's more Rob McElhaney than there is Ryan Reynolds, but still, he's there. He's a big part of the process, so. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is good in everything, in my opinion. Like, he's good in his Mint Mobile commercials, right. so why not this other show? Yeah, there's funny. <laughs> Did you watch the, you know, Letterman has that Netflix show, My Next. Needs no introduction or whatever. What is it, like, My Next Guest is? Needs, you know, something like that, yeah. And uh, so he did one where he, mm. he goes over to their house and has the interview at, at Ryan's house. And, and then Ryan also uh, has a pizza oven, so it makes him some pizzas and stuff, too. Mm. It's kind of funny. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I haven't really watched that. I used to watch a lot of, uh, like, comedians and cars getting coffee or whatever. Yes. And that was a good one. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that, too. Yeah. I like cars. I like comedians. I never really started the Letterman one, though. I kind of cherry-picked. I think I watched, like, the first season kind of cherry pick the second and it's been kind of been the same with everything since then. So cause like, I don't know. I'm not really into Kim Kardashian. She has quite a platform already. Yeah. I don't know. I watched the Kanye one, but you know, that's like, that's like watching the Titanic mm-hmm. as it's sinking, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. And man, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. He's definitely jumped the shark at this point. So there you go. How far is too far? Can I listen to Kanye songs anymore? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I can listen to the good albums, right? Like, yeah. So that's a that's another thing. Is like, if they do a bad thing, is everything before the bad thing okay? Is that fair game? Yeah. 
So, because if so, he's not making good music anymore now. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. There's no loss. <laughs> yeah. I never bought those ugly shoes. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, like all those things are fine. Yeah. I also think it's um, how public is the thing. If you wear the shoes, people will see you wear them. Mm. If you listen to the music at home. Yeah. Like people are into weirder, more fucked up shit than like listening to an old Kanye song. So. Right. I think it's not that bad at the end of the day. I mentioned Woody Allen. Like, I haven't watched any of his movies in a while, but I have enjoyed his movies definitely throughout life. Do I get to go back and watch any more? I don't know. Because, I mean, I do think he did some fucked up stuff. So, yeah. I mean, does anyone listening like House of Cards? Right. Yeah. Because you're all canceled. (laughs) Like, Right. Yeah. I I thought that show was amazing. Yeah. That's the art from the artist. And I'm sure if we looked at lots of like heralded artists throughout time, I mean, if you had today's investigative systems and, and like the speed of information and stuff, I'm sure lots of them would be canceled. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that is like the more powerful you become, the more you think you can do whatever you want. So you're like, there's no consequences if I do this thing that I would never do before, but like, Maybe I'll try it now. And then there are consequences, actually. I mean, it's certainly why I seek more and more power as I get older, (laughs) because I just want to be able to say I'm going to do whatever I want. But I think my things that I want to do are probably less controversial, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I just want to buy like a million dollar collector's one off car and then like drive it for a year and drive people crazy like that. Like I want to buy like James Dean's first Porsche and then drive it until it like falls apart. Like write your name on it. Whenever it gets to collect it or not. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like in Sharpie, write my name on it or scratch it into the door or something like, and just enjoy it. Cause I think that like things like purpose built things, I feel this about whiskey, right? There's a massive whiskey culture around collecting Mm -hmm. bottles and getting bunkers. And, oh, I found this rare bottle. And so I bought all five are on the shelf because screw everybody else who could have also enjoyed this thing. And if you want one, I'll sell you one for a thousand dollars so I can pay for the other four I bought. And like, there's just like a real like it's an asset and it was distilled to be drank. Yeah. And so I don't like trophies like that. I just, yeah, I have a thing against trophies. So I would want like, I mean, you know, this is not a kid's show. I want fuck you money so that I could like take things that are inappropriately collected and use them for their initial purpose. You're like the guy that like stands in line for days, gets the first iPhone and then breaks it in front of everyone for the like shock value no i don't think i would do that and it's not a shock value thing like i would get the first iphone i wouldn't buy the first two and then resell the second one for 10 grand more because you know i'm greedy right i would take the thing that i think is being inappropriately kind of protected you know and we're not talking about like art i wouldn't like buy art and destroy it i would like buy something that maybe someone is sitting in a warehouse, you know, buying a rare Lamborghini sitting in a rare warehouse and be like, start that thing and drive it and take it on a track and yeah, like enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, I don't care if its value is hurt by this activity because one day I won't want it and sell it to some, the next person who gets to also enjoy it because now I've done the thing you weren't supposed to do to the thing, to that. Yeah, that is true. It's always like nerve wracking when you get a new car and you're like, Oh, I can't like spill anything. I can't scratch anything. But as soon as it gets a little bit dirty, you're like, all right, I can just enjoy this thing now. Yeah. I don't have to worry about every little thing. So yeah, I get that. Yeah. So those are my big rebellious moments with power. And I guess I'm linking power to money too, too tightly, but I think that probably rings true to a degree. Mm-hmm. It's not a popular thing to say, oh, I want money. So I have power, but I don't think it's a prerequisite. However, it's much easier to be powerful with a lot of money. Right. Yeah. So I I guess it depends on your goals too, like the kind of power you want to, to gain. Right. I would want to buy inanimate objects and cause use and wear to them, not to humans. So I don't want to buy humans and use them. So, you know, in case anybody was wondering, it's not on the list. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> we have a few minutes left. I'm just going to circle back to uh, New Year's for a second. Well, I guess you didn't make it up until time. But so we found out, and I didn't know about this, that the guys on CNN are actually lit for the New Year's show. Have you heard about this at all? Well, I know that we turned it on and we were like, what? It's probably what kind of made us decide we could just go to bed. I don't know. We we were like, we got back, poured a little champagne and we're like, okay, what? Yeah. And we don't have like over the air TV and all that kind of stuff. So we're like, what, what New Year's shows can we watch? So we didn't get to watch Miley or whatever. And uh, I think CNN, Don Lemon was in New Orleans doing a thing, but it was weird. It felt like somebody was recording it from their iPhone and streaming it on CNN Okay, so the problem, too, is you're in a different time zone, though. So, like, mm. the New York guys, it was uh, Anderson Cooper and uh, what's the other guy's name? I can't think of it. But last year, they both took a bunch of shots on air <laughs> and it. got really hammered. And, like, okay. basically CNN forbid them from drinking this year. Oh, wow. So, like... Then they were just bringing on other people who would take shots for them. <laughs> so like Kevin Hart comes on and he's got a new tequila brand and he's oh like, God. all right, I'll just take like two or three shots of this for you. And then like they bring on, uh, I think like Anderson Cooper's parents or something. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, he's a Vanderbilt. And they're like 90 and they're like, hey, let me drink these shots of tequila <laughs> or whatever. And uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah. And then the apparently like we didn't even realize because we were just having a good time and probably had a few too many drinks but like they missed the countdown for the new year like they were listening to back that ass up and missed the countdown wow <laughs> and then they were like oh oops <laughs> it's the new year now and uh yeah but then they they went to new orleans like after that and they were just randomly talking to like people yeah about i don't know it was it got very different like rap old rappers that you've like kind of heard of but not really like from new orleans yeah it was just a real like and I think, like like I said, the production quality just made it seem weird to me. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, Don Lemon, like, I guess maybe he's from there and, and you know, just kind of doing that New Year's party. Totally fine with that. But it, like I said, it felt like somebody was recording on their phone. And yeah, I don't know. It did feel like that. And there was like a big laundry basket of seafood <laughs> that they had like cooked because they, they did like a big like shrimp boil or something, but it was in like a laundry basket. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Yeah, that's a weird place to put it post boil. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All ends. Yeah. Anyway. All right. That's enough for this one. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you liked it, please subscribe. Leave us some five star ratings, if you please. And we will catch you next time. Boom, 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 boom. Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io.